We are so happy we get the honor to praise you and to preach about you and to tell the whole world for you, oh God, to tell the whole world about what you've done. Oh God, we are honored that you've brought us together from all across this country to meet here, God, for this weekend, to show the world how much you matter, that you matter so much to us that we're willing to face the persecution of our friends and family. We're willing to face the scorn of society because you matter, Jesus. You matter, Jesus. And in these moments we have together, oh God, may your spirit, may your spirit join us to yourself and to each other. May we be one with you and one with your body, oh God, just as you said in John 17. Jesus, I thank you for this chance to be together with your body. Would you bless him one more time as you say amen. 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 God bless you. You may be seated. I can only imagine if somebody were to look in on us as they just had to wear a mask and had to stay six feet apart, if they saw just what you and I were doing, just enjoying the presence of God, they would think we were out of our minds. But if we are out of our mind, it's because we've lost our mind for Jesus, baby. I got the mind of Christ. I traded in that old carnal mind, that fleshly mind a long time ago. And if you say we've been brainwashed, yeah, my brain needed washed, washing. Who washed your brain? Oprah, Beyonce, Bill Gates? They say it's a mask now, it's a chip later. I would rather have my brain washed by Jesus so I can stand up against an agenda. And if they think... And if they think we're crazy, man, look at Joe Biden. He's really crazy. I'm crazy for Jesus, and that makes me right. Seriously. Because Jesus said that I'm right. I'm not right because I was born white. White's not right. Are you listening to me? I'm right because Jesus was right. And he said the gates of hell shall not prevail against his church. So it doesn't matter what what Mayor Lightfoot said. It doesn't matter what the governor said. It doesn't matter what Fauci said. Jesus said, Jesus said that he would build his church. And so if they want to wear a mask and stay six feet from here, that's all right. You do that. But Jesus said where two or three are gathered together in his name, there he is. I'm with them radicals. I can see Jesus nudging the angels going, that's my folk right there. That's my people. They're not ashamed. Praise God Jesus matters. If you haven't got on our Facebook, get on our Facebook to keep up with the details. Thank you for coming from all around the country. If you want to give to either this ministry or to the Jesus Matters, Bevelin and Edme ministry, take a picture of that screen. And can we give it up for Bevy, Edme, and the sisters who came? God bless the team. We love each and every one of you. And thank you for coming from out of town. If you want to download our app, my notes for the sermons are always there. You can go to your uh, app provider and put in Metro Praise International. Somebody say, Jesus matters. 
Amen. Open up your Bibles with me to John chapter 1, verse 1. Going to preach a little bit, and then we're going to do testimony time along with Q&A so that this becomes a part of our training session. But before we get into that training session, I've been asked to preach on this subject, Jesus Matters. It's in the notes. It's on the website or on the app, however you want to keep up. But it's also in your Bible, most importantly. John chapter 1, verse 1. When you get there, somebody say, I'm there. Thank you. I want to preach to you on the subject that if Jesus doesn't matter, then nothing matters. Jesus has to matter for everything to matter. This idea that we're biting off of BLM and Black Lives Matter, we're coming late, you know, like we're imitating them. That's not true. Jesus mattered before Black Lives Matter, White Lives Matter, before the earth mattered, before any of that mattered. Jesus mattered. And so if we have a problem here on God's green earth, we need to put him first and then fix everything else. And so if anybody says to us, well, this don't have anything to do with religion. Well, the problem is religion has had nothing to do with you. And that's why we can tell you haven't lived for God, you haven't lived like God. And what I mean by religion is a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so this idea that, oh, you know, the church has never done anything for the culture. They just pray and do all those things. Listen, first of all, our prayers do more than your looting. Are you listening to me? Prayers brought me off drugs into my mother's house to get saved at a kitchen table. I didn't take 12 steps. I took one step to Jesus. I went from being a drug dealer to being now a Christian serving God. So looting, if it... If it could change somebody, they would have already been changed. But prayer changes things, baby. You better push. Pray until something happens. So they ought to be careful when they mock what we do on our knees. Because when we're on our knees, God is fighting for us. Doing more than what they could ever do, stealing a Gucci purse or some Nike shoes. But I thank God that we do get off of our knees and we do put our, our, our walking to where we've been talking. And Jesus matters to how we do everything. If we want to see justice, we have to do it the way Jesus did it. If we want to see racial reconciliation, we have to do it the way Jesus did it. Who else are you going to follow? Are you going to follow trained Marxists? Are you going to follow Joseph Lennon? I mean, what are we going to follow when it comes to our foundation? So, of course, we're going to put Jesus on everything. Jesus on it, Jesus underneath it, Jesus all through it. Jesus, the foundation of government, Jesus needs to be in government, and Jesus needs to be prayed for and appealed to before we do anything governmental. Above, below, and in between, in him we live and move and breathe and have our being. So we're not even just trying to be haters against Black Lives Matter by saying Jesus matters. We're just wanting to make sure you have a foundation for everything mattering. John chapter 1 verse 1. If you're there, say I'm there. Come on somebody. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God and the Word was God. That's why we say Jesus matters. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. How many things were made? All things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. Are you made? Yes, and you came through Jesus. Is the universe made? Then it came through Jesus. Are the mathematical laws made? Yes, they came through Jesus. Every scientific discovery, is it made? Yes, it comes through Jesus. Every invention a man or woman ever put their hands to came through Jesus. Without Jesus, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. 
That's why we don't believe you came from the goo to the zoo to you. See, we as Christians can really put value on human life because we don't believe human life is just an expression of the animal kingdom. When an animal kills another animal, there's no no riots. There's no cry for justice. Why? Because that's what animals do. If Jesus didn't make us and put his life in us to become light, our conscience, then why does mankind matter to begin with? Might is right. The weak become meat for the strong. Nobody's, Nobody's saying raccoon lives matter when a coyote eats them. I got coyotes in my neighborhood. I can hear them howling at night. Nobody's saying that possums' lives matter. The reason is, is because mattering has to do with value. Animal life does not have the light of mankind in it. Animal life was created for a purpose, and God made it good, he said. But when it came to mankind, he made mankind in his image. And it's not just male, then female. It's not that female's in the image of man and man's in the image of God. No, male and female are the image of God. The complex unity of male and female make the image of God. And his breath, when he breathed into us, when he came to man and he humbled himself to breathe, he could have just said breath come, but he humbled himself to come to give honor to mankind, to make him like himself. And now we've been bowing to him ever since. He stooped down to make us in his humility to show that he didn't have to dwell alone for all eternity, that he would make someone like himself and give them free will, the power of choice and self-volition to choose whether or not they would march themselves to hell or bow before him and go to heaven. So God is not necessarily sending anybody to hell. He's just reaffirming their choice. If you choose to kneel, you get to be lifted up into the kingdom of God. But if you don't bow now, you get pushed down later and broken to pieces and cast into hell. Why? Because you've been given life and you've been given light by Jesus Christ. And that must be held accountable. And lastly, it says the light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not overcome it. They couldn't hold back his light 2,000 years ago. They couldn't stop the light of the early church. They couldn't stop the mission movement. They couldn't stop the early Pentecostals. They couldn't stop the early street preachers. They couldn't stop them, and they can't stop us because the light always conquers darkness. If you don't believe me, go into a darkest room you can find, Flip on the light. There's never an argument. The light waves conquer the darkness. And if you don't believe me, preach anywhere where there's darkness. And the light of God will shatter that darkness. Because light overcomes darkness. They cannot overcome us. They may take our body, but we don't die. We multiply. That's how the Christian church grows. That's how the Christian church has been growing in China. They haven't been doing the seeker-sensitive model like Rick Warren and Bill Hybels and them. They've been doing the underground model, laying down their lives for Jesus Christ. And instead of a church sink or shrinking like it is in America, and now these churches becoming empty like movie theaters, the church of China began to grow in the face of opposition because the blood of the martyrs is the fertilizer of the gospel. Whether by life or by death, may Jesus be glorified. Jesus matters. Woo! Come on, somebody. Jesus matters. And so we're not against other Christians. 
We're not against them, but we love you too much to let you stay the way you are. An open rebuke is better than hidden love. You've got to come back to your buildings, pastors, or give them to us because we're going to put them to use. If you don't want to come back and you want to stay online, then just stay online and hand us the keys. I got some preachers in the house ready to take some keys. I got some preachers ready to get some keys to some buildings that are going to open up, start preaching the gospel again, making disciples of the nations. That's what he said. Look at your neighbor and say, that's what he said. The parable taught us if you don't use it, you lose it. The ones who were given to things and buried it under the ground are the ones who get it taken away and given back to the other one who has more. So much for a socialism God. You better earn this thing in Jesus' name or what you have will be taken from you, given to the one more successful. So when we look at Jesus mattering, we are not just copying a slogan. We're teaching the theological reason for all mattering. Why do humans matter? Because God created them in his image. Why does justice matter? Because it's an attribute of God. Why is racism a devil's lie? Because he created one race, the human race. I mean, we could be here all day. Why do we want, uh, you know, drive, uh, you know, streets that are paved and stoplights that work? Because our God is a God of rationality and logic. He doesn't want cars to crash into each other. Why do we want a mother and a biological father and a marriage in the home? It's because that's how you get a blessed family. No more of this fatherless home stuff or transgender stuff. It matters because God said it matters. And so when we come into this discussion in our culture, they call us the hate mongers. When did telling the truth become hate? And what we have to do is redefine to them the things that they have twisted up and give them back to the original definition. We've got to renew their minds for them. We've got to show them that we're not angry at homosexuals. We just want homosexuals to be fruitful and multiply. You can't get it by plugging two plugs together or putting two sockets together. It's still Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. Learn something from biology. And we're not mad at the uh, we're not mad at the abortionists in the sense that we want to criminalize them just to punish them, but we want to teach them that if it's not murder of the unborn, then what are you killing inside the womb? It's human life. It's not dog life. If you found just a part of that on Mars, they would be jumping up and down saying we discovered life. And yet the life we have in the womb, they call it just a, a bag of tissues and, and, and cells. And so, yes, we want to criminalize abortion as murder because we believe that all life should be honored, but we're not doing that out of spite. We're doing it because we want to protect the generation to come. And so all of these hot button issues are really settled in a moment in the presence of God. When you put Jesus as your foundation and you build your life upon his word, though the rain and the storms come, your life remains. Your, your society remains. Your church remains. Your culture remains. Lest we go down the way of self-destruction of the Greeks, the Persians, the Romans, we'll just fit into history just fine with all the, the perverts and murderous, self-destructive people. But I believe the greatest days for America are still yet ahead. If God said he would spare Sodom and Gomorrah just for a handful, Jesus, I see more than just a handful here. Lord, would you have mercy on America and save this nation? Oh, God, for the sake of your name and your people. Hallelujah in the name of Jesus. 
Would you have mercy on this land and bring revival again, oh God? If he did it for his friend Abraham, he'll do it for the friends of God in this place. It's our time to be the intercessors. It's our time to be the preachers. We were, a lot of us, brought up in church, but we backslid, and now we came back, and we're awoke to what's really going on. But our ancestors told us about this. They said there would come a time when they would have technology to put a chip on us, and we couldn't buy or sell without it. We now see it. They said there would become times when they would have diseases and pestilences that would shut down a nation and global economies. We're seeing it. They said there would be a time when nation would rise up against nation. False Christ would arrive. They told us about these times, and so I want to ask, is there anybody here that wants to take the baton of the former generation and be a generation shaker, history maker, roof breaker for Jesus Christ and say, here I am, Lord, send me, I'll go. Because Jesus matters. Jesus matters. He was there in the beginning. He's going to be there in the end. He's the alpha and the omega, the first and the last. And so we beckon all people to come no matter what their worldview has been, no matter how crooked their life has been. That's why they get so upset with us when we testify about former lesbians and homosexuals and transgenders. They get mad when women testify about their regret of an abortion. They get upset when we talk about we used to be drunkards and drug dealers and all of that because it puts conviction on them. But we love them enough to tell them the truth. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Turn with me now to Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2, how many believe Jesus matters? Just a few more moments. I'm excited to be in the presence of the Lord with you. But let's put some more word on it. John chapter 1 said that he was there in the beginning. He's with God and he is God. That doesn't mean he's the Father. It just means he's equal with the Father. God is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit as we're taught in Matthew 28. And here Paul speaking, he says, my goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love. Isn't that what you feel here today? Don't you feel encouraged today? Don't you feel united in the love of God today? I know for so many of us, we felt like we were all alone preaching on that corner while people were flicking us off and shaking their heads at us. Isn't it good to get around the tribe of the Lion of Judah where there's lions and lionesses up in this place, where there is the soldiers of Gideon's army up here? You're not alone, sister. You're not alone, brother. We may not be seeing each other day by day, but you can be encouraged in your heart, united in love, and know that somebody's preaching in Chicago the same gospel that you're preaching in New York, that you're preaching in Georgia, preaching down south, and that we ought to remember each other and remember that God is doing his work across the earth and raising up his remnant so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding. God wants to make us rich in our understanding, not to be naive in this time, in order that we may know the mystery of God. And what is the mystery of God? Namely, Christ. See, Christ coming in the flesh reveals to us the mystery of God. So we don't have to do the crooked chicken and be a vegan and live on top of some mountain in Tibet. I don't need to do that to be spiritual. All I have to do is say, Father, in the name of Jesus, Jesus, would you reveal yourself to me? And the Holy Spirit comes and baptizes me in power, gives me understanding that a carnal mind can't understand. 
He's the way, the truth, and the life. All mysteries are revealed through him. Sometimes people say, well, is that just spiritual mysteries? What about scientific mysteries? I, I believe in science. I don't believe in God. Listen, I believe in science because I believe in God. Science makes sense because Christ, the one who created it, makes sense. That's why you discover anything. It's from the mind of Christ. You're just borrowing the information that he's allowing you to transcend to. Mind speaking to mind, spirit to spirit, because God made us for fellowship with him and to understand the deep mysteries of his nature that's not just in heaven that's now christ matters jesus matters because in him is the mystery of all knowledge of all purpose for the very reason why we're here in whom the bible says are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge how many of the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are in christ all, some may say all, all of the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. The only reason Steve Jobs can make an iPhone is because he tapped into the knowledge of God of cell phone technology. The only reason why anyone could travel to the moon or do whatever they do in space or with a microscope or telescope is because they're tapping into the mind of God. And they still may go to hell using God's mind and knowledge. But you ought to be saved and know Christ personally and enjoy all these treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And then in verse 4, what does he say? I tell you this. Why? Look at this. He said that in Christ is the wisdom and knowledge. And we should have understanding of this. He said, I tell you this so that no one will deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. In our culture, they have fine-sounding arguments to get us to turn against Jesus. They'll say things like, well... If you look at a mountain, there's many paths to the top. Wouldn't religion be the same? Many paths to the same destination. And it sounds fine-sounding, doesn't it? It sounds like it would make sense because in a, a journey to a top of a mountain, you could go multiple different ways. But you see, Jesus said he is the way, the truth, and the life. And so if you want to look at the mountain of spirituality, there is only one path that leads to life. All the other paths lead to destruction. It doesn't matter how fine-sounding of an argument you have. The truth is Jesus set the path. You could say, well, Joe could have five men in the house to try to be a, a husband to Nancy. That's a fine-sounding argument. It's even possible that you could do something like that. Put five men as five husbands to Nancy, and Nancy could try to love them all. Yeah, you could try that, but there's only one husband in that house to Nancy. There's only one man in that house, and he stands by that truth, mainly me, that I'm the only husband to Nancy. If God wanted Buddha to be a way or another way, he would have told us that through Jesus Christ. But he said, all, Jesus speaking, all who came before me were thieves and robbers. He was clear to make the distinction that he alone holds the keys of death, hell, and the grave. Why is that? Because he's a better teacher? Is it because he's just a, from a better race of people? No, it's because he took upon himself the sins of the world and that he himself is our redemption, the Passover lamb. And how did he prove it. He didn't stay buried in a grave. On the third day, he raised and then he ascended to heaven. And what did he say, y'all? I'll be back. That's what he said. And so today, we're not just following a myth or well-sounding arguments or philosophy. We're following Jesus Christ, the person, God incarnate in the flesh, the Savior of all the world. And this is where you find the treasures of wisdom and knowledge.
So is arguing a part of our Christian journey? Yes. The Bible says we shouldn't love to argue and debate, but we should out of love destroy, as Paul said elsewhere, these arguments and these lost the ideas that try to exalt themselves above the knowledge of Jesus Christ. We need to bring them back down and show the world that unless Jesus matters, their argument doesn't matter. And so often people then say, well, if God is good, why is there evil in the world? And then I say, if there's not a good God, how do you even know what evil is? If you don't even have a standard of good, how do you know what evil is? Today, the chimpanzee is not contemplating the idea of the problem of evil. But listen, if you have a problem with evil, that's cool because Jesus solved it on the cross. So if you have a problem the way things are right now and you want God to get rid of evil, fall to your knees and say, start in me and problem solved. Jesus will take anyone from being a sinner to a saint. And so when he gave us the power of choice, we chose to know the knowledge of, uh, of good and evil. That's all that it is. It's a simple answer. And now today, we realize that even by our own standards, we're not good, that we're all evil at heart. We've all broken the Lord's commands. And so we need a Savior. We need redemption. And Jesus Christ not only rids us of evil, taking away the presence of evil out of our heart, he takes away the power of sin, and he takes away the penalty of sin. So you can say, like the old timers used to say, I'm saved and I'm sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost and fire. Hallelujah. You don't have to live like how you used to live. Just getting forgiveness is not good enough according to God. He not only wants to forgive you, he wants to transform you. He wants to make you like him in this world. He wants us to be like him. Can we go to these passages here or these questions? Because now that we are here, we know Jesus matters as Christians and we're shouting loudly in church, but we have to now answer the questions of our culture. Is it a sin, uh, excuse me, is it a skin issue or a sin issue? And we know it's a sin issue, so we have to teach them. Because what does sin, sin bring forth? Sin brings forth abortion. The breakdown of the family, fatherless homes, welfare dependence, greed, glorification of violence and perversion. Your skin color does not determine any of those things. People of all skin colors have committed those things, and they will all suffer the same penalty. So we don't start with the skin. We go to the sin. And then that's where we become brothers and sisters in Christ because if we've been born again and we have denounced these sins and turned away from them, it doesn't matter if I don't look like you or have hair like you or lotion up like you, put oil like Bevy does before her live feeds like her. It doesn't matter if I do all of that with the do rag on. It doesn't matter. Are you listening to me? Because we are of the new race, the God kind of race, those born again, called out of darkness into his marvelous light, chosen to be a priesthood. You can't solve the problem with skin tissue. You can't solve the problem with the melanin of the skin. You can't solve the problem with a microscope looking into the, meta, uh, to the physical nature and the biological nature of human beings. You must fix the heart. And so Jesus matters. Does anyone here support racism? Of course not. But what is our solution to the issue? Change the heart of the racist. Does anyone here support uh, police brutality? No, change the heart of the police officer. Does anyone here support the kinds of things that most of us morally would uh, agree are evil? No, but how do we change those things, fatherless homes, etc.? We do it from the heart with Jesus Christ, the perfect heart surgeon. How can we with corrupt hearts change each other's hearts? I can't even change my own heart. How can I change your heart? 
The Bible says the blind lead the blind into a ditch. The second question that we must ask ourselves then is if we're going to work this out in politics, do we want to choose more of the liberal ideas or do we want to side with more of the conservative ideas? And does the Bible have anything to say about it? And I've already alluded to it before. Jesus has a lot to, to say about these things, that it's, it's the conservative values of free speech, free market, less government, wealth accumulation, land ownership, school vouchers, and charity that change the world we live in. A kid in his inner city ghetto doesn't like the school because it's been overrun by drug dealers. Give him a voucher. Let him go to the school in the suburbs. Let him keep his place in college, not because he got affirmative action, but because he scored high enough to be there. Last time I went and played basketball, nobody gave me affirmative action because white men can't jump. They didn't say, Pastor, we'll lower down the net for you. They bowled on me like it was fun. How can, you, how can you say that Michael Jackson needed affirmative action to sing and dance like nobody else? You see, we can all be judged individually by our talents and abilities that we work towards. And we teach people of all races and colors, so-called races and colors, that it's by these values that you succeed in life. Don't commit crime. Don't have sex outside of marriage. Don't drop out of high school. You will have the highest chance to succeed. God is teaching us that there are better ways. I know that a lot of times preachers don't like to talk about politics, and then we wonder why Jesus isn't in politics. It's because the preachers aren't talking about it. We have to have enough boldness to at least draw some lines in the sand. I know we may not agree upon everything, but can we see that there is one way of thinking, a conservative way of thinking, as we would say in this culture, that leans more towards the people of Israel and the Christian culture? And they say, well, there should be a separation of church and state. That's right. We're not trying to make the state our church. What we're just saying is our church is going to change the state. Hallelujah. We don't, we don't need to force it. We don't need to force it. We believe in freedom of religion. That's why in the Islamic nations and in the communist nations and in the dictator nations, they all have one thing in common. Along with the Hindu nations, they all say, let's get rid of these Christians because when you give us free speech, a fair shot at business, we'll kick your butt every time. We'll win every time. We'll create better businesses. We'll create better families. We'll do it better every single time. That's why they have to take away our rights, take away our speech, because they're afraid of losing their power to the knowledge of Jesus Christ and the wisdom and the understanding he gives his people. And it's a shame in America we've lost these values because we've been bamboozled by political correctness, afraid to speak up and to shout aloud and let the people of God know that the word of God has always had the answers. It's always had the answers. That's why they used to swear upon it. That's why they had a chaplain pray before they had Congress. And that's why they put in God they trust on that dollar bill is to show us where the answers are. And so today you have a choice to what you want to do. Here's some of the things that we're going to be facing in our culture. Go ahead and scroll down. Black Lives Matter website. It says, uh, scroll up a little bit so we can see it, please. We disrupt the Western prescribed nuclear family. It's not Western, baby. It's biblical. Father, mother of biological definition together in a household. They want to disrupt it. Well, we about disrupting your disruption then. I don't care who started it, but Jesus is going to finish it. We're going to disrupt your disruption. And don't put it on black people because I've been around long enough to know that black people still believe that a black man should run the black household. 
It's not a white idea. It's not a Western idea. It's a biblical idea. Know the history of the black people. And don't say, well, the black people got brought here by slave owners, and that's why they became Christian. So now we need to go back to the east, my brother, to the east. Muslims had a slave trade a thousand years before those white hypocritical Christians ever did it. But listen, before the Muslims ever got there, Africa was being missionized by black Christians. Study about the Coptics and the Egyptian Christians and the Christianity of Sudan. Come on, somebody. Cyrene carrying Jesus' cross was from Africa. So it was never a white man's religion. An Arab is lying to you to get you to be bamboozled by then. It was always never about a man, but the God man, Jesus Christ. It wasn't about the color of skin, but the color of his blood red that was shed for you and I. So this idea, you're going to disrupt something that's Western, you're disrupting the biblical structure of a family. We, we disrupt it. Well, we're going to disrupt your disruption. And then it says we foster a queer-affirming network. Now, once again, we don't need to criminalize this behavior, and we don't need to ostracize. I, I, I pity anyone, and I apologize on behalf of anyone who has ever been mistreated as a, a, a queer person by a Christian. I apologize because that's not how we win the discussion. We don't want to electroshock therapy you or conversion therapy you into a different lifestyle. But I just want to ask you a question. You say you were born that way. How do you think God is going to make you when you get born again? <laughs> Give Jesus a try. Because I was born all types of ways, but then I got born again. I got born again and free from my sin. And so today we're not saying this just to be controversial. We're saying this once again because we love what God has created and we want to affirm the heteronormative thinking, which they're trying to get that to be out of our culture. Keep scrolling down, please. Black Lives Matter is affirmed by the abortion industry. Planned Parenthood on their website talks about all of these people who were tragically killed that we would all agree with because the statement is true. Black lives do matter. And anyone that dies unjustly matters to us. Why? First and foremost, because God is their creator and has endued them with inalienable rights despite the color of their skin or the injustice of an officer or anything that's been done to them. We believe that they matter. But then here's their hypocrisy. After they've talked about police brutality and how black lives matter, they then say in the second paragraph, the fundamental right to bodily autonomy, the belief that every person should be safe and free in their own body, guides Planned Parenthood's work of our fight for reductive, uh, reproductive freedom. So they have basically just said, don't let, wait for the police to kill your black baby. We'll kill your black baby for you while he or she is in the womb. We'll kill hundreds of black babies for you. And yet they claim to care about black lives. White lives, the same thing. Hispanic lives, the same thing. They say we're for justice. We're for life. Here are the people that they name. And yet what about all the names of the countless unborn children that they have slaughtered? Hypocrites! 
They need to take the plank out of their eye before they try to take the speck out of our eye. They say, where have you Christians been? Why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? My friend, have you ever seen an atheist orphanage? Have you ever seen an atheist food kitchen? Have you ever met an atheist missionary? We've been on the mission field. We've been in the urban areas. We've been running the missionaries. I mean, running the, the mission feeding programs and the, and the orphanages across the world. Can we do better? Absolutely. Is there a speck in our eye? Has American greed taken away our sight of the need of the nations? Absolutely. But baby, you got a plank in your eye murdering black babies saying that we don't have a right to speak. Hush your mouth. You don't have a right to speak, you murderers. Hush your mouth in Jesus' name and at least stop murdering. Defund Planned Parenthood and then we'll talk about getting more involvement in the orphanages and in the Christian mission movement. Ever heard of YMCA, Young Men's Christian Association? We've been here. Ever heard of Salvation Army, William Booth? We've been here, and we will continue to be here. Go down to the last one, please. And then we see about political agendas. Keep on going, please. The, the founder of the Black Lives Matter movement says, I'm a Marxist. And if you study about Karl Marx, he disbelieved in God. He was a fool. Not because he was silly like a clown, but the Bible says he's a fool in his thinking. The Bible says those who say there is no God is the fool. The fool says that in their heart. And so from that mindset, they became protégés of those, those kinds of leaders to follow the thought that without God, there'll be no more divisions. Kind of like John Lennon saying, imagine a world without any religion. Imagine a world where we don't fight over those things. And I don't agree we should fight, but he's trying to say, imagine if you just get rid of all of that, then you can have a utopia. And the problem with that is everyone is an idolater and a worshiper at heart. When you remove the real God from your heart and society, you worship something else or someone else. You worship your government. You worship that dictator. And so we see in history, when you talk to people from Cuba, I met one the other day while I was preaching in Elgin, and I said, I've got to get you on my live feed. So if you go to the Underground Church of Chicago, you can hear Louis from Cuba talk about what it was like to live with Fidel Castro and Che Guevara, Marxist leaders in his country. Here he's running from Cuba, and these are trying to, people are trying to bring Cuba to America. Here, let me save you the time. If you want Marxist ideology, just go to Cuba and let America be free in Jesus' name. And so we come to our point in closing. Everybody say in closing. Jesus matters. Go to our final scripture, 2 Timothy chapter 3, 12 and onward. How many believe Jesus matters? Amen. Vinny, would you come, please? I'm so happy that you're here. You've brought great joy to my heart preaching and teaching. But we have to also realize there's going to be a cost with this. We're going to pay a price. Ed May, who is standing up shouting, encouraged me so much, has already been arrested multiple times. So has Bevelin. We've been fined by our own government for doing what we're doing here. I was just talking to the producer about, you know, what's going on in our church. I still got fines that I have to go face at the court. We're going to pay a price for this. When we opened up during COVID, some of our family members said, we don't even want to celebrate Mother's Day with you because now you're defiled. Sounds just like the days of the Bible. Unclean, unclean. You're unclean. Get away from me. How many met some mass Nazis out there today? The hypocrites that they are. They only have a 99.95% chance of dying of COVID, yet they want to harp on that. But a chance of dying in that abortion clinic is 100%. 
yet they raise their voice against you and not against them, hypocrites. You will pay a price for this. Look at it, 2 Timothy 3.12. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Jesus matters, but to a lot of people, he doesn't. You don't crucify somebody you love. That's what they did to our Jesus. He said, if that's what they did to me, the master, what do you think they'll do to you, the servant? He says, evildoers and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. So many times people ask me, do you think they know they're deceived? I think so many people have been handed over to the corruption of their own heart that they believe even their own lies. And aside from the Holy Spirit opening up their heart and enlightening them, they will die in that deception. He says, but as for you, nudge your neighbor and say, he's talking to you. Amen. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of because you know those from whom you learned it. If you're not convinced of these things, listen, we welcome you to study with us. And all of the places that I've been with Bevy or the places that I've been with our church, they always like to pick out the radical points. But they never stop and get the other clips where we're talking and rationalizing. We don't ever start off yelling, shouting, and hollering. We're only addressing them in like manner so that they will not speak over us and silence us or so that they think they get the final word. But I say this from the bottom of my heart to anyone watching online and to even everyone here that may be having doubts. It's okay. We want to study and to teach this to each other until we're convinced. We don't want anybody in the negative sense being brainwashed. Because we believe that truth is true. We don't just have to yell and shout it and get everybody emotionally hype about it. We can sit down, go line by line by line. In other words, we're not trying to use carsmen. If, if you are a used carsman, don't take this the wrong way. But if you sell used cars as a salesman, we're not trying to like slip this thing to you without going over all the details. We want you to be convinced of it because you know from whom you learned it. We're learning this from the apostles. And specifically for Timothy, he learned it from Paul. And Timothy, from infancy, you have known the Holy Scripture, so he was raised up in a godly family. And even if you are the first generation in your family, may you spread this to those you know and love. He said, the Scriptures, the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. So salvation is the most important thing we receive from Christ. And then the mystery keeps getting revealed to us. He said, all Scripture, keep going, good sir, please. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness. Isn't that what we're doing out there? So that the servant of God, how many servants of God do we have here? May be thoroughly equipped for every good work. You should be equipped for every good work. And then Paul He's closing it out. He says, now in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead? Sometimes people say, well, only God can judge me. That's right, and that should scare the hell out of you. And I'm telling you what the judge said. Don't you want to know? If you were going to face Judge Judy, wouldn't you want to know what she judges on? It's not my judgment. It's his judgment, but I'm letting you know, and Jesus told us to let people know. So in the presence of God, 
and of Christ Jesus who will judge the living and the dead and in view of his appearing in his kingdom I give you this charge say it on the count of three one two three preach the word one more time preach the word that's what we're going to do be prepared in season and out of season correct rebuke and encourage with great patience and careful instruction for the time will come and has come upon us has it not when the people will not put up with sound doctrine. I've tried to have rational debates with so many people right now, and that discourse has been lost in this generation. If they do a counter-protest against us, they'll come with their blowhorns, and instead of preaching and debating with us their doctrines or their beliefs, they'll put on the siren. Because they have nothing to say that's meaningful. They just want to emotionally uh, virtue signal to ease their conscience. But the Bible says that's not what we do. We're patient and we have careful instruction even with those who don't put up a sound doctrine. Now what are they going to do? They, to suit their own desires, will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. Reparations? Oh, I want some of that. White privilege? White guilt? Oh, I've been feeling bad about my life. Maybe that's the, the path of sorrow I have to walk down. Oh, do this, do that. Oh, okay, this will relieve my burdened soul. They'll do anything except the gospel. Why? Because the gospel is paved with the first step being deny yourself. The first step in Christianity is denying yourself. All of those other ways give you a way to keep scratching and delighting yourself, even as torturous as it may be. It says they'll do that, but then they'll gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. And that's where we can't get discouraged that just because we're the minority. The Bible says that there would be a great number of those deceiving teachers, deceiving those people, and we shouldn't be discouraged. Keep preaching. Keep teaching. And what's encouraging to me is that I'm meeting many of you, and I'll cry right now just thinking of it, many of you who came from the time of Obama and thought he was your Savior and you were excited about that, and now here you are conservative. But listen to me, my friends who were of the Anglo, uh, you know, per persuasion used to pray for the black church to wake up during the times of Obama. But now, while you guys have woken up from their sleep, they're now trying to play patty cake with BLM and be the woke church. And so I want to say to all my people of color, all of those here who have had to leave that great number of teachers, we've been praying for you to join the battle and come with the greats of your past and your history, the leaders of the Church of God in Christ, William J. Seymour, and the others that have paved the way for the black preachers to preach in the black church and for black Christians to be more dedicated than any culture. In any culture in America's time's history, the black church has always been the strongest. And so I am sorry to say that those teachers may have let you down, but black people, I'll be your white pastor and I'll shout and preach the best I can until we raise up TJ or Will to preach. Hallelujah. There it is. Come on, get you some. Because listen, we had to get woke too. We had to get woke and we saw it and our own people have traded it as well. I look to the seeker sensitive people as I've mentioned before but we'll mention some more since we have the time. Joel Osteen and others, they have done a disservice to their own fathers 
and to the multi multi-ethnic congregations that they have. They should be teaching them the truths of the scriptures and not fearing man and not worrying about whether or not there'll be tribal breakouts in their church, but show every person red and yellow, black and white, that Jesus Christ's word is applicable to all situations. I don't need to read another racial reconciliation book. I got a reconciliation book right here. I don't need to attend another conference. I've got a book right here. I don't have to meet another speaker. I've met Jesus Christ who made us all in his image and gives me so much love. Not only will I love you, I'll love my enemy. And so then we can stand together, red and yellow, black and white, and we can all say to the world, this is not a color issue. This is a gospel issue. Jesus matters. And we're turning aside from all of those false teachers. As they've turned aside from the truth, we're turning aside from them. And as they have turned aside to miss, we're turning aside to Jesus. They say, well, my Jesus wouldn't do that. My Jesus would wear a mask. Oh, of course he would. Yeah, he would. My Jesus, my Jesus would be in the march. Oh, of course he would. You know why Jesus, your Jesus would wear a mask and be in the march? Because your Jesus doesn't exist. Your Jesus is an imagination of your own mind. Your Jesus is just a reflection of you. So you can say about make-believe Jesus whatever you want. Make-believe Jesus does all types of things you like, don't you? If you want to see who most people worship and call Jesus, just have them look in the mirror. That's who they worship and call Jesus. They don't know how to recognize Jesus' voice from the man on the moon because they haven't read his word. And so we ought not to think ourselves better than them, but we ought to take warning and heed and guard our hearts lest we be deceived because the Bible says in these last days, if they were not cut short, even the elect would be deceived. But this is where we come to conclusion. But the conclusion is our beginning. But keep your head in all situations. Don't bury your head in the sand. Keep your head in all situations. Don't let anybody discourage you and say you don't have the right to post that. You haven't been a Christian long enough or you're not the right color or you don't have the right education or you're not the right gender. Don't let anybody tell you where to put your head. Keep your head, man or woman of God, in all situations. Endure hardship. Do of an evangelist discharge all the duties of your ministry well I'm not called to be an evangelist that's all right but do the work of one I'm not called to be a cook or a chef but when I get hungry I do the work of one are you listening to me somebody you get hungry enough for lost souls you get hungry enough for a nation to change you get desperate enough for young people to get off drugs and to leave their gangs you get passionate enough for politics to change you'll do the work of an evangelist do i have any evangelists in the house of god today would you stand up give it up for jesus say here i am lord here i am jesus send me i'll go Abandoned altar workers, would you come? Everyone standing in the presence of God, would you make it personal now? Here I am, Lord, here I am. Is there any besetting sin in your heart? Confess it to the Lord now. It would be naive of me to think anyone, uh, everyone comes to these outreaches right with God. Some of you might have been looking at pornography even last night. We're glad that you're here, but you need to get the junk out of the trunk. Ask Jesus to set you free.